The Christmas season, if we're doing it right, uh, is a lot of generation of a lot of hope. It is, because if the Lord will go to this effort that he did to send his only son to face what the Lord Jesus went through uh, in terms of, well, yeah, being born, and, and how how humbling to go from God to a little baby who had to be taught how to walk. That's humbling. And then to spend life submitting to parents, uh, to authorities, to rabbis, until you reach this age where your mission has begun. And it's time to tell the world who you are and to show the world who you are. It's supposed to contain hope. Who were the unsung heroes in that? Who were the people who helped the Lord Jesus along? Well, we know about Mary. We know about Joseph. We know little else. I mean, obviously he had family. Obviously there were friends. He grew up in a community. Obviously he didn't need anybody. But he chose people who, in fact, he considered friends. There are unsung heroes today. On this program, we talk about the corruption of the FBI, and in the FBI, there are good people trying to get their jobs done and and trying to write that outfit. We talk a lot about the government schools. I know there are good, godly teachers within the government schools who are also refusing to teach the vile pornography, the vile racism to these kids, and they're pushing back wherever they can. I know that. And across these institutions, there are people who are in, in fighting a battle where their very careers hang in the balance. And yes, I've encouraged a lot of people, walk away. Some can't, some won't. So I've made myself a promise in this coming year, which is to do a far better job of honoring that decision for people who are staying and fighting and trying to right things particularly those people who face persecution or just having their careers yanked from them and stolen from them. So in this best of, I I made this promise and carried through in a program that we've talked about, My Apology, called My Apology to the Quiet Soldiers of Private Heroics. And I was so blessed to receive a lot of email response from this from a lot of quiet soldiers who are pulling off quiet heroics. (laughs) and we're going to recognize a guy who's not quiet about practicing the heroics of taking advantage of free speech and actual free enterprise, mypillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. Thank you, Mike Lindell. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. From the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. You know, as we're talking about quiet heroes uh, behind the scenes, 
Uh, as weird as this will be in a podcast circumstance, you know, where there's a bunch of people listening, and thank you for that, by the way, I just want to address a message as personally as I can to people who are quietly suffering from um, hating their bodies. And if it's because there's too much fat on your body and you are hating your body, you probably know you're hating your body. And probably those feelings bubble up in certain circumstances, like um, going out to eat with friends. Um, Man, I have talked to so many people with with, uh, eating disorders who, who hate that because there's this feeling of guilt that I don't deserve this. If you are struggling with that, number one, I beg you to seek some help on that uh, from a mental perspective. Number two, you do deserve that. You are created by God Almighty in his image, and he loves you dearly. And number two is this feeling that, well, if I eat cake, everyone's going to think, look at fatty eating cake. I'm sorry to be blunt, but I have been there. That you, and I just had these feelings that everybody out of the corner of their eye was going, wow, that guy's eating cake. Wow. That's why he's fat. Nope. That's not why. It's not because you had a piece of cake. It's years upon years upon years of food meaning something it shouldn't, being far too important, replacing what you should get to relationships, etc. Or, frankly, Sometimes it's just flat laziness. That's what happened to me. I just stopped going to the gym and I kept eating like I went to gyms. So that suffering quietly, it takes its toll. You can make a quiet visit to sotaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A weightloss.com, quietly. You can go there and learn and read about their reviews. 7,000, over 7,000 Google reviews, average 4.8 stars. You can investigate, or you can also do this. You can do a one-on-one phone call with a nutritionist. They've seen it all. They've seen people like me who needed to take off 150 pounds of unwanted fat. They've seen it all. Many of them themselves have been through this struggle. So it's a one-on-one phone call. They'll ship you the foods. They'll show you how to do the accountability weigh-ins. And you'll work with the team of people who will celebrate your success and guide you through the valleys. Please stop suffering. Go to sotaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com. So often in life, particularly in times of universal deceit, it is people who speak out who end up being heroes, like John O'Looney, the funeral director with whom we spoke a few weeks ago. We manually target the arteries and the veins with with uh, the embalming pump, and we push formaldehyde down the individual arteries to embalm them because they've all been cut. Um, now, when we did this for a young man a few weeks ago who was 30, he um, he died suddenly, undetermined, waiting for histology, you know, because they they can't find the cause of death, so they clutch at straws. Um, and then we found this inside his artery. It's an 18-inch clot that was all over in this young man's body. Caused, clearly caused by the injections. John O'Looney is not doing himself any financial favors by speaking out. He's commonly thought of as a hero. And he is one. 
and I'm negligent. There have been, I'm certain, hundreds of thousands of scenes across the United States. Scenes that I should have thought of. I have shared with you the stories of families whose kids were attempted gender jacking victims. And doctors coming and saying to the father, do you want that social worker to get your kid gender jacked? No. Then I suggest you get your daughter out of here. I will distract her while you do that. That doctor whose name is Lou didn't hold up a sign. He didn't scream from the rooftops. That's a boy, not a girl. He chose a path that could be described as wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. And he did that at tremendous pain because his own son has been gender jacked. There are no doubt hundreds of thousands of scenes, and this one is for you. If you listen to the show, and I have not yet recognized your gentle nature as a gentle warrior, an invisible soldier, let me rectify that. I'm speaking of the nurses who have pulled parents aside and said to them, I know that you're here to talk about the gender thing with your kid. Do you want some input? And if the parents say yes, the nurse has put her career at risk by saying, get out. Get out. They're only allowed to push hormones and surgery here. There's no safe place for you in this in Washington State or Oregon or California. I'm begging you to get your kid out. This is not going to help them. I love you and I thank you and I apologize for not recognizing your way of being a soldier. Because so often it's the people who are allowed that get our attention like the founder of the Lancet now removed from polite scientific society, read mobbed-up society. I chaired a commission for the Lancet for two years on COVID. I'm pretty convinced it came out of uh, U.S. lab biotechnology, not out of nature. Right. Heroic. Attention-grabbing, at least from people who choose to share the truth. But there's also been thousands of cases, hundreds of thousands of cases almost certainly around the country, and this is for the docs. I I, I know that there are people, doctors, who have said in the quiet, most careful way, and I don't speak quiet or careful. It's one of my great deficits. You know, I had to be taught to speak passive-aggressive. I had to be taught how someone praising you as smart is kneecapping you in corporate America. I had to be, be taught the underhanded techniques of embrace and extinguish. This is where someone in corporate America pretends to sponsor what you want to do as, a, as someone below them. And they say, hey, I love this. Let me take this on. Let me steward this for you. And then what they do is extinguish it or they study it to death. I was really, really excited when one of my uh, papers, thought papers at Microsoft got accepted and they put a McKinsey study on it. And what I didn't understand is, oh my gosh, they're going to spend $250,000 on a McKinsey study for my idea. Wow, they must really like this. 
it gave them a great reason for 18 months to not do it. Oh, well, the McKinsey study's going on. And the McKinsey study came back and said, yeah, this is a fantastic idea. This could be a big moneymaker, except we're late to the market by about 18 months. I had to learn that style. You guys know this style. There's been doctors, and this one's for you, docs. I have been negligent. I'm certain there's been cases where you have spoken to families and said, does your, does your son have any, I don't see any history of, of pneumonia or bronchitis, anything like that, anything that's not, I don't see any upper respiratory issues or certainly your son doesn't show any signs of obesity. None of your kids do. Looks like you're a very healthy family. Is that right? And eat well and exercise. God blessed you with good genetics. And, and I know that you've said, um, I'm curious, why do you want to get the, the COVID injections? And you've probably done this in a very smart way in a super gentle way and heard parents say, well, we just think it's the best, best way to protect our kids. And, you know, we just, we've heard a lot on TV and okay. All right. Are you interested in hearing about any of the risks? Because I'm legally required to tell you if you, you know, I'm legally required to inform you of the risks. Uh, Do you mind if I do that? And what parent is going to say, no, don't, don't inform us. So for the doctors who did that, If you've ever felt like I have lumped you in to a group of people who have been cowards, let me take this opportunity to beg your forgiveness. Please forgive me. And let me take this opportunity to recognize and remind myself that there's a lot of ways to speak out. And the cup that you've been given to drink is different from the one that I've been given to drink. And the way that you serve truth is different in the way I serve truth. And I want to apologize for... for, Ever coming across that everybody needs to speak truth in the way that I speak truth. I, I think of teachers. I think of some guys that I think are really angry at me. Guys at a gym I go to once in a while whose behaviors around me have just utterly changed. And I'm throwing this out and I'm guessing that they become cold to me because they've heard the cast. And here's this pompous jackass. Uh, that's, that's profanity. Here's this pompous fool spouting off about all, all teachers need to quit and walk away. And let me just take that moment to shove that pride back into my mouth and to beg God's forgiveness. Because you're probably the teachers who won't teach the gender garbage, aren't you? You're probably the teachers who have said, hey, bud, I'm not going to throw away my pension. And I'm not going to lose contact with my kids. I'm going to let them know how I feel about this in subtle ways that maybe you're just too blockheaded to get. Maybe you're just too set on your, your alpha male vocal presentation. Maybe I'm just gifted with subtlety or they're just gifted with subtlety that I'm not. And so there's probably been hundreds of conversations Or you've probably had quiet conversations with your kids on a school bus back from a sporting event. And maybe you've been really subtle and really smart. And maybe you've said things like, but if someone can just say they're a girl, can't they just say they're a dog? Or if someone can say they're a girl, couldn't I just say that I'm 18 and 
or a 17 and come and, you know, join the wrestling team and wrestle against you? Or you probably said subtle and maybe even semi-dangerous things like saying, hey, look, if, 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 you know, your friend, this boy can say he's a girl, why can't I, a 54-year-old teacher, decide that I'm 17 and start dating your sister? And you probably said it in a joking way. And you've probably disarmed. You've probably planted seeds of doubt in the minds of young people. And you've probably borne fruit with that. And so you've heard this guy with the podcast in the top one half of 1% of downloads and who's been gifted by God with this. And you might have thought, why are you such a mean cuss when it comes to us teachers? Well, let me please take the opportunity to apologize to you. And let me ask for your forgiveness. And let me apologize for bearing false witness against a profession. And let me apologize for acting like everybody needs to do it like I do it. And let me recognize that you are probably just as hurt about what your profession has become as am I. You know, that particular revelation was inspired by a friend of mine who has a deep gift of sincerity, who is really either able to act sincere, which I don't believe, or to be unbelievably honest and sincere. And I mentioned this yesterday, that she felt it so important for me to understand that she and her husband have their kids in a school where the office lady plays Jesus music. Modern Christian pop all day. And she doesn't apologize for it for a second. It's how she spends her day in the office and the kids hear it. Yes, it's conservative North Idaho. Yes, there are far more churches here. But that's an act of defiance. It's subtle. It's brave. It's beautiful. It brings the word of God Almighty in the name of Jesus, into a school building all day. (laughs) What do I do? Podcast for a couple of hours. And a bunch of that on politics. So office lady, (laughs) and the strange, if it's happenstantially occurred that you have heard this podcast, and you're saying, hey, that sounds like me, or... You're one of our North Idaho podcast family members, and you're going, that sounds like Aunt Mary. Or, hey, that sounds like the office lady at my school. Don't put it on social media. Don't out her. Do me a favor. Just go whisper in her ear. Just go and say, hey, there's a dude. God's blessed him with a really highly downloaded podcast, and he wants to apologize to you for not recognizing that people like you exist. And that you're doing God's work in a way different from him. Would you do that? If that sounds like the office lady you know personally. Or maybe you're such an office person. I find that funny. My friend is far younger than me. But we said office lady too. I think people need a different title than office lady. There's news. It's exclusive. It's breaking news about uh, a quiet hero on January 6th. That puts the lie... 
into what the Oath Keepers were about. We'll talk about that and more Quiet Heroes. Somewhere in California, there's a young man who is probably at work right now. Well, depending what time you're listening, he goes to school. Uh, Alan from alansoaps.com slash Todd. He goes to school. And that, okay, so he goes to school. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Um, They've done everything they can to have Alan, who is very, very radically impacted by autism, as high up on the scale as it gets. They've done everything they can to have him go to school with the other kids. And when I say the other kids, I mean mainstreamed into class with kids who do not face the challenges he does. These folks refuse to, to, to hide Alan away. And why would they? He is a beautiful young man who simply has these challenges. But if you're listening at a certain time of day, Alan's at work right now. He is boxing soap. He is helping his father create new fragrances. He's doing quality control right now. That young man who incidentally has been through his seventh surgery and is still at work. Now, yeah, I, I, I trust and I know that Alan sneaks away sometimes to play Minecraft, which is his favorite game. I know that. He's a kid. I'm not here to tell you Alan's an angel. I'm sure his, his folks will tell you Alan ain't an angel. But the company that's founded with the, um, with the inspiration of hiring people or more people like Alan, this is a place where we start the parallel economy based on love of neighbor, based upon the fact that all lives matter. If you're buying your soap elsewhere, you are not supporting that portion of the parallel economy. And if you don't dig Alan's soaps, don't buy it, but try it. Go to alansoaps.com slash Todd. That's alansoaps.com slash Todd. When you use my name, Todd, as a promo code, you get 10% off everything there. alansoaps.com slash Todd, promo code Todd. Yeah, it's um, so often the people who speak out uh, vociferously, particularly in times of universal deceit, telling the truth is an act of defiance and bravery. Dr. Mary Bowden, decided to tell the truth. She was fired from her job at a hospital. Go ahead, Mary. So, eight months ago, I received probably one of the most startling text messages I have ever received in my life. I looked down, and it was a Friday afternoon, and it was a reporter from the Houston Chronicle asking me to confirm, is it true that your privileges have been suspended from Houston Methodist? And I, I did a double take, and I argued back, and I said, no, no, what are you talking about? Who told you that? And I learned that the hospital had told them that. The hospital had gone to the Houston Chronicle to let them know uh, that they were taking disciplinary action against me. Uh, I did not get the courtesy of any kind of phone call or um, anything like that. And uh, I did check my email, and there was a suspension letter waiting for me in my email. Um, I then was informed that there were some interesting tweets going out and checked Twitter and there were um, a series, of, a thread of tweets um, from Methodist Hospital publicly attacking me and implying that I'm dangerous. Um, and you know, this is something that for a doctor to be called dangerous is not something you can easily recover from. She was put in the position of having to sue it's a heroic act. It's also an act that she must take to get her career back. I'm brought to mind of pharmacists who are under enormous pressure 
from the party to deny people ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, they have been pressured to murder people and to cause their deaths. And I'm sure there are pharmacists who've chosen a different path. I mean, there are pharmacists who've spoken out. I'm certain there are pharmacists who've chosen different paths and have done things quietly and wisely. Wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove, as it says in the Bible. It's one of my wife's favorite passages from the Bible. So to you in the pharmacy careers, who pulled a customer aside and said in a very quiet way, knowing it could be a, a cop or a investigator, can we even believe that this is a conversation in the United States of America? And yet it must be. And he pulled them aside and said, there's a source for this online. There's a pharmacy in Sandpoint. There's a pharmacy in North Bend. There's a pharmacy right outside Austin. Here's some sources. May I give this to you? In our state, I could get in real trouble for filling this. I could get fired. I could lose my license. These places are doing it. Here's the closest one. I beg your forgiveness for not recognizing earlier your form of heroics. How many people? Thousand? Two thousand people you've helped that way? I, I really ask you to forgive me for, for being so prideful so as to not recognize that not everyone does it the way I do it. You know, there are fathers, there are parents who've been put in the position of calling pharmacies and going at them and recording it. Can you increase your pharmacy? Yes, we can. Yeah, hi. Are you a pharmacist? Yes, how can I help? Yeah, hey, I've got a question. My wife, um, against my wishes, brought my son, seven-year-old son in there yesterday, or sorry, a few days ago for a COVID jab, and he's now in the hospital with myocarditis. Um, and I was obviously not very happy with you guys or with my wife. Um, she told me that she was not told that was a potential side effect. So why wouldn't you have told her that? That father in Australia uh, went on to get really heated with that pharmacy rep. And I fully understand why he would get heated with that pharmacy rep. But I failed to recognize the parents who've also held marriages together and have helped convince their wife or their husband to not get the kids injected and you have done it with dignity and you've done it quietly and you have preserved a marriage. And I know that you're out there. I know you are. And so I want to thank you for preserving a family. I want to apologize to you for having not recognized that before. And again, thinking that everybody must do it my way. It's one of my least admirable qualities. Sometimes it's the gentle corrections. 
there was a guy at Microsoft once. I was um, in line for a promotion, which I ultimately got. And Mike said to me in his office, he said, I don't know if you're aware of how many people you've hurt. I said, what? Because you've, re- you've really stepped on some people. You really have. And I get it. I get the culture here. I've been here for 15 years. I used to be just like you, exactly like you, stepping on people. I just don't know if you're aware of who you've stepped on. He goes, look, I'm going to recommend that you get the hire. You're clearly well-positioned for this to help our, our division. I just want to ask you, are you aware of the people you've stepped on? And God saved me from a moment of, of real pride. And I started to get angry, and then I thought, wait a minute, this man is being, being beautifully honest. He's not being passive-aggressive. He's not doing the corporate thing of, of pretending He's going to help me and he's going to step on me. And he could have, man. He could have squelched that whole thing. And I said, you know, Mike, um, number one, wow, thank you for that. Like being honest. Thank you for coming straight out and saying it. Number two, yeah, I, I, I really can think of some people. I really can. That I've been cruel to or you said stepped on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I said, there's one thing I want to ask you to do. And there's a guy who's being managed out of the, um, of the organization. I, I just think he's in the wrong job. And I think he's a guy you stepped on. And he said, I want you to consider hiring him to work for you in a different role. And so he told me this gentleman's name. And since I've described that circumstance, I won't say his name, but started with an M, another M. And I said, I'll do it. He goes, not because I asked you to. I said, well, no, it is partly because you asked me to, but it's the way you asked me. And it's the honesty that you employed. Do you know that that guy was embarrassed to walk into my office because he had been, he, he, when he could, he had stepped on me. He did. And when I could, I stepped on him. You know that we ended up having one of the best partnerships that I've had in business? It was fruitful for both of us, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to say that M has, has continued on in his career there, and he's done so well. He finally got slotted into the right place. So for the mics of the world and people like that who do it quietly and in a dignified way and gentle as a dove, wise as a serpent, let me just issue a broad-scale apology for insisting that everybody do it my way. There is a retail location for, uh, for, for Bonefrog Coffee coming up. It's not here yet. But I told uh, Tim Cruikshank, the 25-year Navy veteran and Navy SEAL, retired Navy SEAL uh, at, uh, at Bonefrog, that I want to do an event there when the store launches. I just, I've, you know what would be fun is to go do a coffee tasting. I'll taste coffee, and, and they also have wine. I just don't, I have no credibility as a spokesperson for wine because I don't drink it. So I've, I've no, 
no one's going to believe me. It's like someone who doesn't work out, you know, promoting creatine or something like that. Ha ha. Uh, come on, you can make fun of friends. It's okay. So bone frog is based upon the coffee first, the product, the outcome. Why would it be anything else? And they got there by partnering with a coffee legend, and it shows in every single drop of coffee. And I've had some people say, you know what, bone frog's a little bit more expensive than the Costco stuff. You think? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Small batch coffee made with artistically with Dave Stewart at the helm. God country team on it. And you know what? Tim could have gone the other way. He could have just gone to some coffee maker and said, hey, I'm a Navy SEAL. Let me put my product label on this. And they would have said, okay. But no, it is the quality of the coffee makes a difference. It's bonefrog.us. Everything from K-cup to French press to drip. Uh, to espresso, to whole bean. It's at bonefrog.us. You get 5% off subscriptions there, by the way. The entire life of the relationship between you and Bonefrog, you get 10%, uh, pardon me, 5% off the subscription price. That's 5% off at bonefrog.us. I knew it was the right time to talk about this uh, when I was just, I, I talked to my friend and she, she talked about she and her husband and where their kids go to school. And I told her at the time, I said, dang it, now I'm going to have to do another show on, based on something that you said. And I knew I would use, wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove, because it explains it. But it also is one of my wife's favorite phrases. My wife, very quietly, locks herself in a bathroom, the smallest of her bathrooms, very quietly, multiple times per week, and she counts beads to get our daughter off of antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. It is the most painstaking, dreadful task. Literally opening up those capsules and counting beads. Because wouldn't you know it, darn the luck, Big Pharma doesn't provide step-down kits. Yeah, they don't down-dose kids. They don't want kids getting off these pills. So they make it as hard as possible. Now my wife is going to use a very special pharmaceutical scale to shave pills and save the shavings and put them in capsules. Quite heroics. And I know I've mentioned that on the show before, but I don't do it enough. And so please, um, I would ask my wife to accept my apology that I don't enough mention that. Act of quiet heroics. January 6th. Uh, The Oath Keepers. This is another reason I'm just so thankful that this was the time that we did this show. I don't often read a whole uh, article. In fact, uh, the Maha, God rest rush, used to say that only professionals should ever read news on the air. And and I am not uh, a professional like Rush was. No one is. But man, he used to caution callers. And I... As a matter of fact, as a fill-in host at EIB, from time to time, people would call and say, uh, "Hey, Todd, can I read something to you?" And I'd say, "Hey, wait, wait, wait. Uh, how long have you been? Uh, how long have you been a, a student at EIB? Oh, twenty years. You know that's not allowed. Callers don't get to read things. Only only professionals get to do that. And then I think we made a rule that uh, since it was a guest host." We could have guest host uh, rules since we would never reach excellence in broadcasting. (laughs) So I think we allowed like a short paragraph uh, from time to time. This is from the Epic Times, speaking of quiet heroics. 
Headline, exclusive, retired police sergeant Oath Keeper helped rescue Capitol Police on Jan 6 at the moment the world needed it. It's written by Joseph M. Hanneman at the Epic Times, October 24, 2022. I can help. Amid the bedlam of 10,000 voices chanting, singing, and shouting on the East Terrace of the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, those three words cut through the haze like a lighthouse beam. The target of the message was U.S. Capitol Police Lieutenant Tarek Khalid Johnson, 46, who scanned the crowd for someone to help with an urgent mission. The speaker was retired New York Police Sergeant Michael Joseph Nichols, 46, an oath keeper who knew all about riots and making decisions under fire. Their mission's success depended on a partnership of exhausted besieged Capitol Police and a group of Oath Keepers, a patriot organization that would soon be the target of an unrelenting war on, quote, domestic terror by the U.S. Department of Justice and the FBI. Nichols and his wife, Whitney, 33, had no intention of being at the Capitol on the afternoon of Jan 6. After hearing President Trump's speech at the Ellipse, they wanted to return to the Virginia Hotel, but, but blocked streets and the, quote, herding of crowds by police put them at the bottom of the east steps of the Capitol at around 3 p.m. Before the afternoon was over, Nichols, an oath keeper, uh, pardon me, Nichols, an oath keeper named Steve, and others would go into the Capitol at the request of a desperate lieutenant and rescue 15 riot-gear-clad officers and one uniformed police officer trapped inside. It was a good deed, to be sure. Unbeknownst to the participants, however, it would later punch a hole in the government's narrative that the Oath Keeper's purpose that day was to violently overthrow the United States government and keep Trump in office at any cost. Lieutenant Johnson and Nichols approached each other by chance at the ground level not far from the east steps. I went right up to him and I said, how can I help you get control of the situation? It doesn't look good over here. Nichols told the Epic Times during a series of interviews. If you can help me move uh, aside these people, I'd appreciate it, Johnson said on the video, pulling on his COVID mask. I just need to get these officers out of there. Nichols and Steve's facial expression instantly changed when they heard police officers were in need of assistance. Oh, they're trying to get out? Asked Steve, a retired medvac helicopter pilot, an army veteran. Oh, I can do that. I'll go help you. I'll go in. I can help you, Nichols said. Nichols started heading for the steps, then turned around and flashed the gold retired sergeant shield and reiterated, I can help. Johnson handed him a bullhorn and the group moved out of, out for the steps. What was about to take place would have been largely lost to history if Rico La um, Starza, a th- a 30, a Florida-based videographer, had not approached just at the edge of time. I happened to look over and I see Capitol Police officers with a Trump hat on. And I said, well, that's interesting. Lestarza told the Epic Times, let's go figure out what's going on there. And the men began climbing the stairs to the giant Columbus doors. The crowd was treated to the suspicious droning of still unidentified and never indicted masked man who researchers dubbed the scaffold commander who told um, stood unmolested for hours high above the crowd bellowing the patriots should go into the Capitol. Johnson grabbed Nichols' left hand with his right hand, and they started working through the crowd. Steve kept his right hand on Johnson's back. I'm with you, brother, Lestarza said to Steve as he brought up the rear. Lestarza trailed the trio with his camera and kept a watchful eye on Lieutenant Johnson's holstered service weapon. I realize nobody's even watching this guy's gun, Lestarza said. So my plan is I'll just fall back a bit, hang back a little bit, a foot or so. If any of these guys to grab his gun, I can do something about it. 
A short time before Nichols and Steve approached the Columbus doors, Oath Keepers member Robert Minuta, 38, and Joshua James, 35, were asked by a different Capitol Police official if they would help get officers who wanted to leave out of the building. He said, we can have this area. They're trying to get the guys out, Minuta told the Epic Times. We followed behind law enforcement into the fora through the Columbus doors, so our intention was to help get the cops out. They said they wanted out. As Oath Keepers, we work alongside law enforcement, Minuta said. I mean, a lot of uh, members are law enforcement, so it's not uncommon for us to interact with them and offer to help if they need anything. Seeing a gathering of police, Minuta and James headed towards the rotunda. I started yelling from behind, let's go, get these cops out of here. Come on, let, let them get out. Let them get out of here. The last thing I said was, let them out. I was loud enough, Minuta said, because you're in a crowd full of people. There's pepper spray and tear grass. It was intense, so I was yelling. I was aggressive, but that's what we went in there for, is to get the cops out. James got into a tangle with one of the officers. You want out? He shouted. Just before the officers struck him on the left shoulder, James then lost his um, expletive, Minuta said, and began pulling the officer, shouting, get out of my capital, get out. This is my expletive building. This is not yours. Minuta theorized that James, a combat veteran of the Purple Heart, got triggered by the hit and shove from the officer, causing him to lash out in a fight-or-flight response. It was uncharacteristic of James and the Oath Keepers, Minuta said, recalling they specifically discussed earlier that day to not get into skirmishes with law enforcement. I got crushed, Minuta said, and someone pushed into the rotunda. I couldn't even breathe. It was like, this is bad. Someone from a group of rioters shut the door in the rotunda behind me. I screamed, don't shut the doors! James, whose family initially wrote on social media he agreed to a plea deal to avoid a threatened life prison sentence, pleaded guilty to seditious conspiracy and and agreed to testify if called on by prosecutors. With the police rescue gone south, Minuta escaped through the Columbus door shortly before Nichols and Lieutenant Johnson arrived to make their rescue attempt. It's a little bit of a blur how I ended up seeing officers coming out and standing in a line and holding a line for them to come down the stairs, Minuta said. As Dickles climbed the stairs with Lieutenant Johnson, he drew on his more than 17 years of experience as a decorated police officer in the southern tier of New York State, 20 years as a volunteer firefighter, and years as a military policeman in the United States Army, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and other duty stations. Nichols was used to being the tip of the spear. One of those times came in the late summer and fall of 1996 when Nichols got the up-close experience with combat violence. A bomb almost ended his Army deployment and his life. We drove through ZOS, Zone of Separation, he wrote in his journal. Destruction everywhere, hundreds of houses and buildings blown away. I saw a car this afternoon that had been blown up by something just before we passed by it. Last night was some kind of shot, nine millimeters uh, outside our camp at the checkpoint. One, he said, when the MPs gave chase, the kid ran into a field. One of the kids stepped on a personnel mine and blew up. Six weeks later, a teenager tried to take out Nichols and his watch partner as they sat in their high-mobility, multi-purpose wheeled vehicle, properly known as a Humvee. While Specialist Dwayne Brucker and I were working checkpoint some kid through a bomb at our truck, the force of it knocked me back in the gun turret and shook the whole truck, Nichols wrote in the journal entry. In his letter home to his parents, Nichols said it was very loud, and the guy with the truck, uh, in the truck with me thought I'd been shot. Nichols had long time to think about that during the rescue operation. Six-year member of the Cortland Police Department SWAT team, he was called on October 4, 2006, at a home where an armed and distraught father was holed up with his five-week-old infant son. The man's wife had just disclosed a one-year extramarital affair. The man, 32, said he felt boxed in and that my life was over. The man held an AR-15 rifle, a Mossberg 500 12-gauge shotgun, and more than 400 rounds of ammunition, ammunition, 
Elsewhere in the home, he had a Marlin 22 caliber bolt rifle, a Winchester 270 rifle, and a 50 caliber muzzle-loading rifle. The AR-15 in the Mossberg lay in the bed near him, along with handfuls of loaded magazines, three boxes of shotgun shells. The baby was asleep in his portable crib, oblivious to the unfolding drama. I could hear people outside and door slamming, so I thought the police were going to come in after me without even getting a hold of anyone to talk to me, the man later told police. He was feeling desperate, telling his mother in a phone call he felt like blowing, like going postal. He started thinking, I, I, he said, I started thinking to myself whether I should surrender or blow my head off, noting the guns were next to me and never picked one up and put it to my head. Amid the high stakes confusion, the man saw a possible way to solve the crisis. He told the two patrol officers positioned themselves on the stairs to get out of the house. He said he would only speak to Mike Nichols. I've known Mike Nichols since seventh grade, and in grade school, I knew he wouldn't let anything stupid happen to me, the man later said. Nichols was not on duty at the time, but dispatch located him, and he raced to the scene on Elm and Cortland. Within five minutes, he was on the phone with the desperate man. I told Mike I wanted to do the right thing and come out, the man said, but I had to feed my son one last time. The man called his mother and said he was going to surrender, but only to Nichols. I know he wouldn't be trigger-happy and blow my head off, he told his mother. Nichols stood alone near the front door. The man emerged, handcuffed in the front and holding his infant son in a car seat. Nichols was right there in front of me, then reached out and grabbed me. He said after the incident, Mike hugged me and told me I did the right thing and we would see this through. We're oath keepers. As Nichols, Lieutenant Johnson, and Steve reached the 17 high, uh, 17 foot high bronze Columbus doors at the Capitol in Jan 6, the crowd reluctantly moved aside. We're oath keepers, Steve said as they walked past. Nichols said he noticed some of the people around the entrance were loud and extremely aggressive. Nothing like the crowds he'd seen in the, um, in the rest of the day. He worried about bringing a group of officers through the doors without these, uh, with these hostile agitators. The inner set of doors opened long enough for the trio to enter. Nichols was pulled inside before he could get his bearings. He saw a police officer with a closed fist ready to throw a haymaker at him. Blue, 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 he shouted. A code to identify himself as a police officer. Lieutenant Johnson confirmed. He's with me, Nichols said. To the right side of the entrance, Nichols saw a group of uh, Capitol Police in right gear. Some were bent over, seemed sick to their stomachs, he said. Likely from pepper spray used on on, on, on spectators outside. The Columbus doors. Others looked terrified, Nichols said. Using the bullhorn handed to him by Lieutenant Johnson, Nichols told the group they were going to link up and leave the Capitol. He told them to stay connected to the person in front. Don't stop until the group cleared the bottom of the stairs. Nichols noted that the doors into the Great Rotunda were closed and locked. All he saw in the foyer were police, so that he, um, so the fear he observed did not make sense. Why was everyone so afraid? They were dressed as if members of the hard squad, wearing heavy protective tactical gear. He looked into their eyes and soon came to realize they were exhausted. I asked what the plan was and if we were going to take the stairs back, Nichols said. Johnson said he just needed to get his guys out. I said, okay, everyone get behind me. Hold on to the guy in front of you. Don't let go. Don't stop moving until we get through this crowd. He made sure every that everyone was leaving was ready and then they moved out. The same agitators outside the Columbus door were screaming obscenities. Johnson statted back, make a hole. A woman took the bullhorn mic and told the protesters to not interfere. Interfere. We do not. We do not do this blank. She said, prompting one of the group's agitators um, to reply, "Blank you." As the officers passed by, the woman gave each of them a hug. 
A man in the crowd shouted, the cops are leaving, let them go. He told the officers, thank you and God bless you. And the article goes on to discuss what that group may have been doing in there. That's a quiet hero. Funny thing. The Oath Keepers are still on trial. They're still on trial. To all the people in the D.C. jail and the legal system who are trying to straighten this stuff out, to the FBI agents who may hear this show and say, you have no idea, bud, how hard we're trying. We're trying to get stuff to Jim Johnson. We're we're trying to get stuff to senators who will listen. We're trying to fix our FBI. You have no idea, buddy, what it's like to be under fire. You have no idea what it's like to have wanted to be an FBI officer your whole life to see your organization destroyed from the top. To the people who are quietly within the system going whistleblower, perhaps warning others, please accept my apology for not recognizing your sacrifice on a daily basis. Please forgive me for insisting that you do it my way. When perhaps you're making changes inside that I can't see. Wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. For all the quiet heroes, people who've done it in that style, wise and quiet, let me just apologize for not recognizing you prior to this. Let me thank my friend for reminding me that not everybody does it this way. And let's praise God For all around us, there are people, children of God, some of them, all of them creations of God, doing a godly thing by trying to right this ship from the inside. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and thank you for forgiving me for acting so pridefully.